0: Hey y'all, it's Coop, and welcome to episode 9 of Ain't No Free Lunch. Once again, Danielle's away at Yale working, teaching for a change. But this week, we have a very, very special guest, Miss April Rain. And together, we discuss the WNBA fines, the GOP convention, and most recently, the DNC leagues. Let's eat. So... Welcome back to episode nine, and as you all heard in the induction, we have another guest host this week. Danielle is still away at Yale researching, and this week we have the pleasure of having April Rain. Hey, April.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks so much for doing this. So I kind of learned about April a few years back from Albert, who was our guest host last week. He retweeted me, connected April and I, and we've been following each other. You know, I'm one of like 30,000 people that follows April
1: 42.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, and so I learned a lot about April. We've had some conversations over the years, but I, I think it's definitely important before, while out April, to tell you all about herself. She was uh, the founder of Oscar So White. Which was a push that started a few years ago, even though on Twitter it got a lot of uh, traction over the years. But this year we had some celebrities speaking out about the lack of diversity at the Oscars. So, welcome, April. Uh, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how they can reach you.
1: Thank you. I am the managing editor currently of Broadway Black, which is a multimedia platform dedicated to highlighting the achievements of African-American theater artists both on and off Broadway stage. I am also the editor-at-large of New Tribe Magazine, which is another multimedia digital platform um, that focuses on the lives of Black millennials. I am Reign of April everywhere. So it's R-E-I-G-N of April on Twitter primarily, but also Facebook, Instagram. Um, my website is Reign of April and so on.
0: Welcome, welcome. And so, This week, April and I, we're going to discuss a few things that have been transpiring over the past week. And uh, so first off, April, I saw this week and I saw you going in on Twitter about it. The WNBA find a few teams and numerous players for standing in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement and wearing the T-shirts.
1: Right, and and now the WNBA has announced that they've rescinded the fines yes. for players who wore black warm-up jer- jerseys. But uh, my issue not only is the lack of the support from the N- WNBA, but also the double standard it appeared that there was between how the WNBA um, team the members were treated and how NBA players were treated, right? Because we've seen, um, LeBron and other high profile, um, NBA athletes wearing, I can't breathe shirts and so on. And it was a big deal, right? Because Jay-Z was involved in, in getting them the shirts and all of that. Um, and yet when the WNBA seems to do, the players seem to do something very similar, they were immediately fine and find repeatedly. Um, also, let's remember that
0: economically, de- yeah,
1: yeah, the WNBA players make roughly a middle class salary. So their salaries for the year are around, you know, give or take, depending on the athlete, $100,000, which is significantly different from the NBA players. So if you are um finding these women you know tens of thousands of dollars that i mean that you know that is a significant percentage of their annual income fortunately the nwa excuse me the wnba um withdrew its fines and came to its senses but it it was a uh, it was an interesting moment there for a moment
0: yeah and you know i'm not sure what it is now but in 2012 was the last time i saw the statistic that average Annual salary in the WNBA was on $7 million. Finding these women, uh, these large amounts, and for me, the fines were definitely an issue, but even the WNBA speaking out against it, like what happened to people being individuals? Especially we're going into this era now where we'll have sponsorships on jerseys. And so what's going to happen if a player say, oh, I don't agree with Walmart sponsoring my team? I mean, they're not going to be able to say anything about that. And it really, for me, it really kind of resonated with me about the whole brand comment that Jesse Williams made. Yes. It's just kind of like these women are being owned and they can't even speak up for something that that's near and dear to their heart. You know, they are mothers. You know, a lot of them, they, they could be fearful that their son or their daughter could be the next next hashtag. And I thought it was very unfair and uh, it was unfortunate as well.
1: Well, I agree. And the penalty for the women, I believe, was each team was fined $5,000. And then players were give, each given a $500 penalty. Um, per of the offense. Normal- Right, and but the normal fine for uniform violations is two hundred dollars. So why this was any different from a normal violation and what those distinctions are is also very interesting to me because they more than doubled the normal, the regular fine um, regarding uniform offenses. So you know I think that the WNBA finally made the right call, but you know they could go a step further and talk about supporting the Black Lives Matter movement now that they've come to their senses
0: yeah and unfortunately you know the wnba isn't economically what the nba is at any rate so i would think that they would do anything to try to become more inclusive and more aware and try to garner some more fans in that manner you know i thought that this was good for the league and i've always been one that has encouraged and wished for our professional athletes to be more involved and i really really appreciated what um lebron james carmelo anthony chris paul and Dwayne wade did at the espies like two weeks ago how they spoke up and you know they made a direct call to action and i'm curious to know if this led the women to acting at this time but so i'll let you all listen to their call to action here It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? It's not about being a role model. It's not about our responsibilities for the tradition of activism. I know tonight we'll honor Muhammad Ali, the GOAT, but to do his legacy any justice, let's use this moment as a call to action for all professional athletes to educate ourselves, explore these issues, speak up, use our influence, and renounce all violence and most importantly go back to our communities invest our time our resources help rebuild them help strengthen them help change them we all have to do better thank you so yeah um it's definitely an interesting time and speaking of black lives matter Did you watch the Republican convention this past week?
1: I did not. uh, And uh, and consciously made the decision to um, practice self-care and continue to keep my blood pressure low um, by not doing so. But again, my news source, which is Twitter, uh, gave me all of the updates. So I didn't actually have to watch the bloviating in real time uh, and still was able to experience what I chose to.
0: So April, I wish that you had, texted me or tweeted me and and told me (laughs) not to watch it as well Um, it it was definitely troubling but I'm sure that you heard a little bit about this I I do want to recap a little bit absolutely Um, so first we had Sheriff David Clark from Milwaukee and he came up there and he was just david clark so this was like a night after he was on cnn being and he was very confrontational with don lemon and then he came up there and you know it was blue lives matter there's a war against police and you know this it was a common theme at the convention this year that you know it's us versus them basically and You know, we're standing on the side of the police and we support them and Black Lives Matter. They're basically there in the way. That's basically what they said. So, but not once did anyone say, Hey, my regards or my condolences or my sympathy goes out to anyone that has been a victim. And I thought it was very, very interesting, especially considering that that the convention was in Cleveland, that Tamir Rice was never even brought up. Well,
2: you
1: were, were you honestly expecting that to happen no. though? Because they don't consider black people to be victims. They consider us to be aggressors. And and me, I saw that um, not just at their convention, but conservatives generally, um, you know, asking what we did wrong. I mean, there was some guy who was talking about um, Charles I'm sorry, Charles Kinsey and you know, who, Miami. Yes, who was laying on the ground, hands clearly not holding any weapon, hands up in the air. He's screaming at the police, telling him what's going on, and he still was shot. And I saw people on Twitter saying, Well, he was told to leave the premises, to leave the area, so why didn't he do that? As a justification him getting shot even though he was there attempting to protect his autistic patient from getting shot by police
0: and, and, so. l- and let's be clear there was no intention to just injure charles Kinsey. no
1: you not know at po- all.
0: police officers are trained to shoot to kill to shoot and this, guy was
1: SWAT. this guy the police officer who shot charles Kinsey, was swat which means he has additional training not only in in marksmanship and sharpshooting, but also in de escalation of these types. Right. Exactly. And none of that happened. So, we, I'm sorry, we veered off topic from the RNC, but my point there is, you know, Tamir Rice, there were attempts to justify his, well, why did he have a toy gun? It's, well, wait a minute now. Are we, you know, so if it's a toy, It could have been a ball, right? It could have been any type of toy, but apparently because it's a toy and he was in the park by himself, that somehow justified that he was shot in less than two seconds. So it didn't surprise me at all that the RNC didn't mention Tamir Rice or any other name of someone who was killed by uh, at the hands of state-sanctioned police violence because the RNC is all about Blue Lives Matter. And something that I saw on Twitter that is not mine, but I absolutely loved said something to the effect of if you say blue lives matter. That, that doesn't mean that you're saying that ple- people who are not li- white folks, let's say, who are not cops don't matter. What you're saying is that the blue lives have been unfairly targeted recently, and so we need to give them support. And if that's the case, then you in fact do understand the argument about Black Lives Matter, because we're not saying that other lives that are not black matter. don't matter. Exactly. But that we have been untreated fairly in the recent past. And so your so-called air quotes ignorance on what black lives matter means and to whom it's referring is your steadfast denial of our humanity
0: you know i'm a big fan uh, of joe madison i don't know if you're familiar with them oh yes
1: we sparred on cnn actually oh, not too long ago
0: oh so joe madison always goes back to the quote about from dr king side note i'm so tired of everyone always wanting to bring up dr king like
1: and yet here you are <laughs> but doing the same thing.
0: It's apropos here.
1: Okay. That's what they all say.
0: About conscientious stupidity. You know, Dr. King said the um the mo- the two most dangerous things in the world are uh willful ignorance and conscientious stupidity. So, but you're right. Shame on me. <laughs> well, but, shame
1: on Joe Madison really, but that's right. <laughs> Either way.
0: So, then we had melania trump trump's wife
1: oh this is my favorite part yes let's get into this
0: who plagiarized the speech from our current first lady mrs obama and initially the trump campaign denied it and then they said oh yes they blamed uh the speechwriter, but they decided not to fire him
1: but wait, wait, wait. They even, there are a few more steps in there as well. Initially, they said it wasn't plagiarized. In addition, at the same time, Melania said on TV with Matt Lauer that she wrote the speech. Yeah. herself. And then it was okay, I didn't actually write it. I had some help, but and then the story was that the original speech did not have the Obama, Michelle Obama quotes in it, but Melania didn't like it, and so then she put those in herself. And then it was Meredith McIver who some no one has still seen in decades, right? But all of a sudden now she's the speech writer and she did it and she tendered up her resignation in this very Trump-esque like letter, um, which was supposedly summarily rejected. The, the resignation was rejected by Trump. And so there are now obviously fake accounts on Twitter claiming to be her. There are, there are pages being created throughout the internet to short sort of give her a digital footprint after the fact but the people that are creating them don't realize that we can tell that you know that pages were created in the last two or three days as opposed I mean this woman is supposed to be in her 50s or 60s so you know and if she was Donald Trump's ghostwriter for four books, at least four books of his, there definitely should be more information on her in the last 40 years or so, right? So th- there's a lot of stuff going on with that, and it, none of it is good. But the problem is Republicans are justifying plagiarism. Now, if you recall, Joe Biden was accused of plagiarizing in 2008 when he was running with then Senator Obama. And that became a huge story until it was determined that he didn't actually plagiarize. And I can't even remember what happened there. But now all of a sudden it's, oh, well, this was her first speech. And this is Hillary Clinton trying to go after her, even though Hillary didn't say anything about Melania's speech. Uh, She sort of let the facts speak for her. And uh, it's really been interesting how... Republicans and conservatives will just sweep what they like under the rug in a very hypocritical fashion because the same type of activity done by the Democrats and especially a black president or a female presidential candidate would not, you know, would have gone, you know, would have taken Fox News into outer orbit. I mean, just imagine if Michelle Obama had had plagiarized a speech from Barbara Bush. Just imagine.
0: <laughs> she wouldn't be the first lady right now.
1: Right. And and meaning that President Obama would not be president. He would still be Senator Obama at best. Right. I mean, just think that's the thing for me. If you just thought about if the tables were turned, what would happen? Um, you know, Trump has five children, I believe, by three wives. Yep. Just imagine if a, if President Obama had the same you know setup, you know, and what they would call him, and what they would have called Michelle, even worse than what they already do, right? Right? It's it's just a, the the hypocrisy is is uh, unfathomable to me.
0: So yeah, it's definitely a double standard. But m- moving forward, so the last night of the convention, uh, well, before the last night, let's talk a little bit about ted cruz yeah so cruz he gave a speech in a cruz-like manner and you know pretty much the the right thing to do or the thing that you're expected to do is always to verbalize your endorsement for whomever is the nominee and Cruz went so far as to say, you know, vote for whomever's on your conscience, vote with your conscience, and then he proceeded not to endorse Donald Trump. Yes. Which I was, I appreciated what he did, but it seemed like political suicide. He's really rolling the dice on this and I guess his gamble is that Trump will lose big and then he'll say, you know, this is why I didn't endorse him. But I kind of, I see these types, like this type of behavior is almost like a man asking a family, like two parents, do I have permission to marry your daughter? Mm. And then at the wedding, the parents stand up and say, I don't agree with you all getting married. You know, I, I was really, really surprised. That Cruz agreed to speak at the convention and then still not endorse Donald Trump?
1: Well, let's go back a little bit because there's so much going on with them. I mean, remember that Donald Trump accused Cruz's father of being involved somehow with Lee Harvey Oswald, who killed right. you know, President Kennedy. Um, and I want to say Cr- Trump also said something less than polite about Cruz's wife. Didn't yeah. that happen as yeah. well? Yeah, right. he saw
0: the ugly... Uh...
1: Right. And now that that Cruz has spoken at the convention, Trump is now saying that he would fund super PACs aimed at taking down both Cruz and Kossage, which... Let's talk about how Donald Trump is going to be reacting to, um, you know, so-called enemies and people who don't agree with him. Because if, you know, I think the Republican Party does a lot of stuff wrong. But what they do right and really well and something that I wish that the Democrats did better is that they fall in lockstep. Like, they can be loud and wrong, but they're all going to be loud and wrong together. Right. And that's, that's you know, that unity, I don't see that coming from the Democratic Party. And I'm a progressive, you know, so that's a, a critique out of love or what have you. Um, so this breakaway is, is very significant. But the fact that Trump would say somebody within my own party has upset me enough that I am going to work to defeat him, like, what is going to happen God forbid if Trump becomes president and somebody tells him no or says something that he doesn't like and that person is a world leader. That's my fear. Like how, if he has reacted so poorly by someone who is within his own party, who supposedly shares a lot of his same ideals and so on, what is he going to do when he has to deal with someone who is in fact our enemy and has nuclear weapons or, you know, or has military bases stationed, you know, throughout the world or whatever, you know, or, or has significant economic ties to us? How is that going to go down? That's what scares me. Not what goes on in the convention, but just watching how Trump reacts to people, um, both friend and foe, and how this is going to play out if, God forbid, he
0: becomes the president. Albert and I, we talked about this last week. I don't think he has a path to victory in the Electoral College because he has ostracized and excluded pretty much every voting block except for white men. And I saw something a few days back, you know, he was polling pretty much at 0% in the black community. I'm only 28, but I've never, I can't remember anyone, any presidential candidate polling at 0% in the black community. You know, even with Obama on the ticket, McCain and Romney polled higher than Trump is. So, I don't think, yes, we need to be fearful of a potential Trump presidency, but I don't think that it's as close to happening as people think. But, you know, moving on a little bit, we had the last night of the convention, Trump spoke, and he was introduced by Ivanka Trump, his daughter. So, first, there was this introduction video, and... I mean, you would have thought Donald J. Trump was the pope. I mean, like they really, really talked him up. This can't be the same guy that we've heard these stories about, the same guys we've read about, the same guys we've observed over the years. Ivanka was she was very presidential. She was impressive. But then Donald Trump came up there and his speech was an hour and a half and you know he just rambled on and on and on made up facts as he went along it, it was disgusting and uh van jones i think summarized it the best and we're gonna let you listen to it here about how divisive it was
2: i came in a night with an open heart i think you saw that i was prepared to hear him do something extraordinary and never underestimate the power of a single speech to to turn a country around. Ivanka was beautiful. She gave a general election speech. If you have a pulse, if you have a functioning brainstem, you should have been saluting Ivanka Trump. His friend who tried to humanize him did a beautiful job. But what Donald Trump did tonight is a disgrace. Uh, that was a com- relentlessly, even for Donald Trump, who at least occasionally breaks up the the fear mongering, with with some jokes, with some asides, some amusement. He had one funny line in an hour and 15 minutes, and the rest of it was just a relentlessly dark speech. He was describing some Mad Max America. I work in some of the toughest neighborhoods and some of the toughest communities in this country, and I don't know what he's talking about when he describes the country he's talking about. And there was some schizophrenic, psychopathic attempt to pull apart the Obama coalition, but from a political point of view, he even botched that. He says he reaches out to the LGBT uh, community and he says, foreign uh, ideologies that hate you, I'm against it. But the domestic ideologies that hate you, he's apparently for because they're all in his platform. He says he's going to reach out to uh, African Americans and and deal with their economic pains. It's hard, Anderson, to get a job if you're in a community that's over-policed and you have a criminal record. And every other leader in the country on both sides of the aisle have talked about criminal justice. He didn't. But this, I, I, I am, I, I'm actually, I've never felt this way in my life. I have read in history, being in moments where there's some big authoritarian movement and some leader that's rising up. And I felt that way tonight. And it was terrifying for me. Th- this, this speech divided the country. You're either inspired by this or you're terrified by it. I'm terrified by it.
0: So, yeah, I, I know you didn't watch it, April, but do you have any thoughts on it? Have you read it?
1: I, no, I, I haven't even read it. I mean, and, and again, I'm doing this specifically. It's not because I want to be uninformed. It's just because... I really feel that he is evil, you know, and and I hate to say that about another human being, but we've seen over the past year that he has made racist comments, he's made anti-immigration comments, he's made homophobic comments, he's made um, anti-women comments, you know, so... uh, all of the boxes that I check off, all of the boxes that my people and <laughs> the people that I care about check off have been offended by him uh, in the last year. So, you know, I don't need to know, you know, I've seen the reaction, you know, well, Donald Trump, you know, I think David Duke, right, said he's running for Senate now. David Duke said, well, you know, he's finally standing up for, you know, the values that I believe in. And, you know, that this is something that I've been talking about for the past past year now. It's not funny anymore. You know, and initially everyone was like, oh, it's just a joke. He's trying to boost the ratings of the apprentice. He's going to go away. And I kept saying, no, watch, you know, this, this is something more serious than that. Um, and even now, you know, people are like, oh, well, the Republican Party is going to rise up together to get him out of there. Well, no, we, have you know, he is officially the nominee, the delegate, you know, all the delegates have been counted and so on. And the issue for me is not just Donald Trump. It is the rabid, racist, homophobic, anti-immigrant, anti-woman base that he has been, that he has riled up that has been there for years and was only exacerbated by a black man's presidency. You know, and these people are now coming out of the woodwork in droves and they are registered voters. So that is why we're seeing the increase in violence. You know, I believe that black people, especially black men, are standing as proxy For President Obama. In other words, racists, people who don't like black people, bigots, whatever you want to call them, can't get to the president because of so you know, Secret Service and everything else. And so they are taking their frustration out about a black presidency on black men and black women. And I think we're seeing more that's I think that's why we've seen the increase in the past eight years. And Donald Trump being candidate, not even president yet, or or at all, hopefully, being candidate right now has sort of buoyed their feelings of hate. And that concerns me.
0: Yeah. You know, with Trump's speech, not one time, you know, first of all, I was pretty offended. Like, I don't like people to yell at me. And I felt like he was yelling at me in my own house. Well, I wasn't home but mm-hmm. i have you know like that really really rubbed me wrong you know i don't i've researched and i've studied things like nazi germany and the brown shirts with mussolini and it just felt like he was trying to rile up a base and there was nothing presidential about him you know one of the things that they teach you in public speaking one-on-one is Especially if you have any ambitions of speaking globally, you never, ever point your finger. And Donald Trump is just up there just, I mean, doing whatever the heck that he wanted to do. And he's not polished at all. And then, you know, some of the things that he was saying was just disgusting and startling. And I remember I tweeted something about Donald Trump wanted to talk about homicide rates increasing, but... He's one of those people, like many people on the right, but they don't want to talk about gun safety or gun control at all. So, you know, it's like you want to talk about these things increasing, but you don't want to do anything to decrease them at all. So I was disappointed. I can't say I was disappointed. I can't say that I was surprised, but I can say that I expected them to put on like a a different show i thought that that the convention would have been an opportunity for them to at least try to convince some people that it won't be this bad but no they were just as bad as advertised
1: but who are they going to convince i mean they have the base right and so they're supposed to convince independent voters maybe and i don't see and an independent voter can see that Donald Trump doesn't have any experience, any political experience whatsoever. You know, an independent voter, if they are truly being non-biased, can see that, you know, he's run his businesses into the ground with respect to bankruptcy. He's flip-flopped on several issues. You know, he's pro-choice, he's pro-life, we're not sure today. I think this was playing to the base and getting them riled up even more. I don't think that, you know, plus we know that Donald obviously, obviously has an amazing ego, right? And so who is going to control him? Who is going to say, hey, Donald, we need you to bring it down a notch so that you can be, you know, more accepting, you know, acceptable to those who are on the fence. There's nobody that can do that except maybe his kids. And they, apparently didn't do that or didn't do that effectively.
0: Yeah, you know, Ivanka like her first sentence was I'm not a Republican or Democrat. And for me it was like that's not something that you advertise at a convention. And then you know she bragged about her father and, you know, I remember tweeting, Hey, you didn't even vote for your father, so like, let's be clear. But nevertheless, it was a pretty divisive speech. And I thought it was a divisive convention. But so I, I thought that I, I did tell a lot of people on social media that have been in that Bernie a bus movement say, you know what? I cannot afford for this man. I, I can't allow my conscience to to trick me and say, OK, this guy, I won't vote for Hillary and this guy could possibly come to president. So I'm voting for I'm a vote for Hillary. So the very next day. Hillary nom- um, announces that Senator, our junior senator from Virginia, Tim Kaine, will be her running mate. And we've seen—I uh, don't know how much you've kind of observed this over the past 48 hours, April, but you know there's a lot to like about Tim Kaine. But I don't think that the progressive wing, the super progressive wing of the party, you know. The Bernie or Buss people, the people that were really, really rooting for like Elizabeth Warren. I don't think they are ecstatic about this pick.
1: Right. But the thing is, I think that many people wanted to see Elizabeth Warren um, or one of the Castro brothers or a person of color generally. And uh, to me, that shows that they don't have a full grasp of how politics work. Right. So, what we know is that President Obama was a flash in the pan, like he was a moment in time. Um, But the country wants to see us move back to the status quo, meaning white, straight white male president and it's unfortunate, but that's reality. There are Democrats and so-called progressives within the party who don't believe that a woman should be president. You know, you can let that (laughs) marinate all you want. So for them having, you know, a woman in Elizabeth Warren as number two wouldn't have worked for them either. So I think that Hillary made the best choice that she needed to, to win. You know, it may not have it he may not have been my first choice, right? But Joe Biden wasn't my first choice for vice president with President Obama in two thousand eight either. And I came to really appreciate who he was. Why? First and foremost, because he was able to work across the aisle. And so behind the scenes, we were seeing a lot get done because of him, because the Congress people did not want to work with President Obama. I think Tim Kaine will be similar to that, you know, because there are a lot of people who don't like Hillary, but can appreciate what Tim Kaine has done.
0: Yeah, Well, I think, so when Tim Kaine was governor in Virginia, I remember uh, his debate and there was a comment about not supporting abortion, but he would uphold the constitution. And I think, I think those are the types of things. Now, Tim Kaine has been very, very progressive on things like eradicating capital punishment, um, uh, mm-hmm. curb mass incarceration, but things like, abortion- very supportive
1: of L- he's also very supportive of LGBT rights. So he's a Catholic, which means he's pro-life, but right. he will support the constitution and therefore support a woman's right to choose. And I respect that. I respect him saying, I'm going to put aside my personal convictions and do what the constitution requires me to do as a public official.
0: Right. And, you know, man, he's lived a life of service. You know, his wife is our current secretary of education. His father-in-law is a former governor in Virginia. So he checks off a lot of the boxes. He's bilingual. But some people weren't ecstatic with the pick. But Virginians are very ecstatic. So as you all know, the co-host, Danielle, she has been on this kick Jill not heal for a while for Dr. Jill Stein. But wow. because of Tim Kaine, she told me she's with her. Well, that was Friday. So yesterday, there were some reports about leaks and from DNC email server. And in these leaks, they basically said that Senator Sanders was mistreated. People were questioning things. And no one has explicitly said any of these things were about Senator Sanders is all assumptions. But have you uh, have you paid any attention to th- this conversation about these leaks or? Uh,
1: sh- yes, because, you know, I'm not a fan of WikiLeaks or Julian Assange, um, you know, but I think overall, you know, politics is an ugly business and corporations Are an ugly business, and according to the Supreme Court, corporations are people, right? So I don't know what was to be expected from these. Emails, You know, and I'm sure that we would see the same in any organization. People don't like each other. People are trying to get over. People are, you know, trying to get extra Hamilton tickets, People, you know, and for me, it's much ado about nothing. It's obviously targeted, right? Because only the DNC emails were leaked. The RNC emails weren't leaked. So WikiLeaks is doing what they can to attempt to bring down Hillary. Um, and this is, I think, a continuation of the whole Benghazi thing and her, you know, emails being gone from her server and all the rest of that. So none of that came to pass. And so WikiLeaks said, well, let's see what else we can do to sort, you know, to discredit her. And so now we have these leaks, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of the emails are being attributed to Hillary. And I also think that if Hillary, I don't, you know, I don't know the specifics about who called Bernie what, but you know, if it's an ugly, dirty business, and so if they're saying we need to figure out how we can get Sanders out of here so Hillary can get the nomination, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, that's their you know, you had one job. That's what they're supposed to do. What can we do to get rid of our opponent so that our, you know, so our candidate can move forward?
0: Yeah, we, the argument from them has been that, that the entire process was rigged and that, yeah, there was definitely some feel like the DNC should be impartial, and their big question has been: Was the DNC really impartial? So, to I,
1: whom it should be impartial? I'm confused. But, but how should it be?
0: They said it should have been impartial before we actually had a Democratic nominee.
1: Oh, I see. Well. But first of all, Bernie wasn't impartial, right? right? Bernie wasn't independent. He was, you know, and he, and he is now registered again as an independent to run for senator. So he only became a democrat in name only so that because he knew he could right him. Right. So he only did that. So because he knew he couldn't win as an independent. Hello, Jill Stein. So and so he wanted to use the resources of the DNC, but not fully support the DNC. For example, we haven't seen Bernie either then when he was a candidate or now campaigning for those exactly campaign for those down ticket and fundraise for the DNC. So he made his position very clear and I'm not sure why the DNC should have been supporting him if he wasn't supporting them in return. You you know, that's me.
0: We actually there was a an attorney general decision here a few years back in Virginia because we have a huge issue with people just showing up at election time and saying, oh, I'm a Democrat. And then they being allowed to seek the nomination sometimes they win the nomination and then you don't see them anymore you know that's the only time they come up to get the nomination because they think that could be a ticket in for them and then they disappear but something i've been doing a little research on these leaks so a few weeks back a lot of mainstream media didn't cover this but there were some emails being leaked from the dnc and supposedly they were about um like an opponent foul against Donald Trump. And these emails were first being leaked in Russia, like a Russian publication leaked them. And so, of course, me being me, I kind of said, oh, man, I wanted this Snowden to have anything to do with this. That was my first question. But then if you kind of like look closer into this, maybe the Russian government is real. We, we know they support Donald Trump to a certain degree but are no, they not
1: to well, let's yeah. be clear not to a certain degree i mean they've come out and said that donald would be a great president i mean putin has said that yeah and 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 i mean it's all related
0: yeah so are they really trying to influence this election that much because i think once again there were russian servers that that hacked the dnc so of course the dnc like first of all we shouldn't continue to be hacked you know it's 2016 that's unacceptable. But these things keep stemming in Russia. And so is Donald Trump kind of like a puppet for the Russian government at this point?
1: And how scary is that to even have that conversation when we're talking about a presidential candidate?
0: Right. Absolutely. So here we are almost in uh Tomorrow will be the beginning of the Democratic Convention. Do you have? Are you first of all? Are you gonna watch it?
1: It's so. I will. I will because you know Michelle Obama is speaking. Joe Biden is speaking. Um, you know President Obama is going to be speaking. Bill Clinton is speaking, and they are all gifted orators. Uh, right. So I'll be watching. I'll be watching for that. But you know I'll be in and out. I. I find the process interesting, but sitting still for three or four hours, like I'm, I'm definitely going to be multitasking as
0: I do it. Right. Yeah. You know, it seems the timing of it seems a little weird this year. I know the, the primary process, the timing has changed, but I remember that we used to have conventions like Memorial around Memorial weekend. And now here we are almost in August having conventions, but do you have any expectations? One thing that I really thought, that the Republicans would do. I thought that they would have like some, some guys from main street, some, some women from main street, just kind of telling their stories. But these were all somewhat like celebrities, you know, they didn't have someone, you know, Donald Trump did tell the story about people being killed by illegal immigrants, but I thought it would have been powerful. And I, I hope I haven't even looked at it, looked at the itinerary i think i'm gonna go up maybe for a day or so into philadelphia but i hope hillary uh and the the democrats i hope we have like a speech from someone you know if it's a sandy hook parent or if it's jordan davis mother or trayvon martin's mother someone kind of talking a little bit about the black lives matter movement I i think that would be powerful at the convention on on that platform but you know i I know that's probably a long shot but having someone an everyday citizen kind of tell their story i think that would be powerful
1: Right. And, and we have done that traditionally. So I I don't doubt, you know, either live or a video, you know, it would obviously have to be someone who is interested in that kind of platform just because of the millions of people they are going to be watching. And so I'm sure there are a lot of negotiations going on behind the scenes to have that happen. Um, but they have to be careful as well. And this is going to sound horrible, but because there are so many Democrats and people on the fence, because Hillary does need to get the people that are on the fence, right? Um, You know, the independents and the Bernie people who, you know, say never Hillary and so on. She does does need to convince them. And because a lot of those people are not necessarily completely down with Black Lives Matter, um, it's going to be an an interesting dance that they do uh, to ensure that they're speaking to us, Black folks, you know, about the importance of black lives and yet not alienating those folks. Um, Because the thought is that Hillary has most black folks in the bag just because we can't conceive of a Trump presidency. So it's not about her. It's about it not being Trump. Right. right? So she needs to convince maybe non-black folks and those folks may not be as down with Black Lives Matter as they should be
2: yeah
0: so yeah uh thank you once again april uh thank you all for listening and april tell us one more time how everyone can reach you
1: thank you again for having me on the podcast i had a fantastic time i am rain of april r-e-i-g-n of april on all social media platforms uh specifically twitter
0: okay Thank you all for listening. Danielle will be back next week.